friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids for our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and I don't get the point of NFTs. I really don't. <laughs> With me is... I'm Lindsay, and I'm allowed to make myself appear bigger. <laughs> <laughs> like you're fighting a bear. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Sarah, and I'm, I just got a new pencil case that just has dogs taking poops all over it and it's my no, my new favorite thing <laughs> it's art it is art <laughs> it's art and this is the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes just like drew said to bring you all of the weirdest facts that we can find across the internet every week we start out on the same wiki page and we allow our procrastination brains to click around all over the internet until we find something that we cannot stop reading Pretty much every single time at this point, we end up somewhere that not only did we never anticipate we would end up, but we have learned something completely new, and we show (laughs) each other and all of you all of the horrible, (laughs) fascinating, and terrifying things that we've uncovered about this earth. This week, we started on the word society. We live in one. Wow. (laughs) Where did everybody end up today? Well, I ended up on the golden rule. Oh, <gasps> Jesus. <laughs> we'll talk about him. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about it. Um, I ended up on something called the Piltdown Man. Who? What? I, oh, I'm surprised Drew doesn't know this. It is the Piltdown Man, and I've written the hoax to top all hoaxes. <gasps> oh, nothing is going to top. My last hoax. (laughs) (laughs) Balloon boy. Balloon boy. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. It's pretty good. I ended up on Cloaca Maxima. (laughs) (laughs) No. 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 I (sighs) weep, my children. Weep. Okay, I am so excited. Well, before we get started on those lovely topics, um, <laughs> we have our question of the week, which this week was, what is the most useless impulse purchase you've ever done? Drew, what is the most useless thing you've ever bought? So, uh, <laughs> why, why are you saying my name like that? <laughs> Drew. <laughs> we all know you're guilty. I am guilty. Um, so I bought a whittling set or a wood carving set. <laughs> no. And um, for some reason I bought it. I have no idea why I did it. I was very into it for like three weeks and was like carving shit and had a great time. And then all of a sudden it just dropped. It just like, I was like, I'm done with this. And I was just sitting, sitting next to my desk and there's just like wood shavings everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just you like, just have like oh. a half finished rubber, du- well, wooden duck or something. <laughs> rubber duck, exactly. That's exactly it. Oh my god! Was it? I've got some like half finished chess pieces. Oh, that oh, would be no. so nice. But um, what what made you purchase it? Did you see it online somewhere, and you're like, yeah, I gotta have it, or or how did you know that there was a wood woodland kit out there? Um. I I don't know what made me impulse. It was an impulse buy. Honestly, that's what it was. I just like I 
was in- like, I want something to do with my hands. And I was like, what can I do with my hands? Whittling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve some wood. And that's, that's exactly what, what it was. That's, we- <laughs> I'm a whittle. It was that or like a model engine. And I was just like, well, the model engine has like a million tiny pieces and they're going to get lost. So I'm just going to whittle instead. <laughs> it's logical. I Very manly. I get that. All right. Lindsay, what's the most useless thing you've ever bought? Um, <laughs> I, I was at the dollar store and I don't remember why I was in there, but on the way out, I saw a fridge magnet set that just had like, they were just really shitty looking magnets and they had like little phrases on them like Queen Bee, high <laughs> maintenance, like, you know, all those kind of um, the very and they had like you know leopard print and zebra print and neon colors and they are the shittiest magnets they barely stay on the fridge Um, it was just for the uh i don't know i did it for the vine (laughs) (laughs) i really had no good reason to know i just keep them but i can't even hold up like a business card with them. They just like exist <laughs> on my fridge as is. They're the worst magnets. Oh, I hate the worst magnets. magnets. Like that. <laughs> um, I also have a few listener submissions. Yes. So go for it. These come from total strangers on the internet. And if you guys listening would like to ever answer our questions of the week, just follow us on Twitter at go ask Alice pod. I post them every week. And um, if your response makes me laugh, then you end up on the show. And it's pretty easy to make me laugh, as you know, by now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one user named Skink Mom not a slur that's a skink is an animal oh oh my goodness do they own skinks do you think well they if they're calling themselves a mom i want to meet their skinks (laughs) well skink mom sounds particularly dangerous because they said last week i bought a box of 15 fortune cookies because it was on sale (laughs) wow i have totally done that <laughs> I've never done that. I like, I barely s- crave fortune cookies. Like, I get them in my food, and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I'll eat this. I would never oh. seek out fortune cookies. I, don't I know. love, I love fortune cookies. There's something good about the weird, like, smooth texture about them. They're weird, but I really like them. <laughs> well, um, you're in good company, Skink yeah. Mom. Hi, Skink Mom. We can be friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a user named Sizzle Smacks, who happens to be our friend Michelle, said, I'm about to pull, pull the trigger and impulse buy this baddie. And she is talking about an extremely dramatic, long, ruffled, frilly nightgown that basically says my third husband just died. <gasps> I love them. I've seen them all over TikTok and I want one so bad. Oh, it's got a long train, a lot of fluffy tooling. And yes. I said, if you don't drop that link right now. So it, she did drop the link. It's $96 on Amazon. <laughs> but you can choose whatever color you want. It is so dramatic. It looks very dramatic and very comfortable. Nice. Although I really could have done without all the like, Use it in your pregnancy photos. Like, okay, well, you just read it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we all know Lindsay's fear. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not so much a fear, just like a huge dislike. Anyway, um, <laughs> the final one was submitted to us by Shivansi. And this one had a warning on it, and I still clicked on it in public. But it is <laughs> extremely homoerotic statues coming from ancient Greece. <laughs> and it is two men wrestling with their members prominently displayed. <laughs> they are fabulous. They are they are very, very potent with energy that's these amazing. are these are energetic <laughs> i wonder how tall they are <laughs> um yeah so th- those are my listener submissions my most stupid impulse by which inspired this question was i have a i have a bad back um and so i'm constantly like in achy back pain and i always like do a lot of stretches and stuff to try fix it but Every now and again, it's so bad that nothing really helps. And I was laying in bed one night with such an achy back, and I don't know how. Facebook knows. Facebook knows shit. And it advertised to me this, like, spine bender thing. And I'm like, yeah. Like a table? No, I'll put a picture. (laughs) I'll put a picture up on the Instagram. Like a, it's like you lay on it and it arches your spine, but it's not a traditional roller. And I'm like, yes, oh. that will solve all of my issues. So I bought it. It was did it? Uh, no, it was like eighty did American it. dollars. I bought it. Wow. Kind of forgot about it because this was like at three a.m. A couple weeks later, I'm like, huh, it never arrived. So I click like the tracking link, and the website had like disappeared. It was no longer a website. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I totally got scammed. Okay. Um. So fast forward like a month and a half later, this thing arrives at my doorstep. So it did arrive. And it oh hurts. God. It hurts your back so much. It's plastic. <laughs> oh, no. no. It is the stupidest thing I've ever bought. Oh, my God. Shame <laughs> on them. That is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a solid impulse fight because I'm like, yes, this will solve all my problems. Um, and spoiler, it, it did not. <laughs> I'm always oh. tempted to buy those things. I'm always like, I need an inversion chair or something. And then, fuck. Oh, <laughs> I would love an inversion table. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. But yeah, if you guys have any impulse purchases that you want to add to the conversation, just follow us at Go Ask Alice Pod or Ask Alice Podcast on Instagram and uh, weigh in with your really bad decisions. <laughs> what'd you buy <laughs> what'd you buy alright alright Drew teach us of the golden rule the golden yeah, rule what'd Jesus say yeah what'd Jesus say so as we said ended up on the golden rule uh, which turned out to be way more interesting than I originally thought it would be um, and I distinctly remember way back in my early days of schooling, all the teachers had those posters of the golden rule, like all over their classroom. Yes. And I always thought that was, yeah. that was so interesting. <laughs> it's just like, it's everywhere. What is it? What is, what is the golden rule? Well, there's actually like, three distinct say? ways that the golden rule can be presented. So the first way is treat others the way you want to be treated, oh. which is the positive or direct form of the saying. The yeah. second way is is the negative way. So do not treat others in ways that you would not like to be treated. So that's the negative or prohibitive form of the expression. And then the final way is um, 
What you wish upon others, you wish upon yourself, known as the empathetic or responsive form of the statement. So it can be presented in three of those different ways, which I found very, very interesting. It's different. That's different. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. I think, is it to target different people's like values? Well. So some people might feel more empathetic. Some people might feel more... Um, more self-centered, like the, oh, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. I don't know if it's that. I think it's just that the, the, the same expression is kind of being formed into three different ways of expressing it. I, I just said expression twice, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of, <laughs> I, I really think it's just trying to get the same message across through different means. I don't know if it's so much meant to, meant to hit people in different ways, but I guess it could. I mean, I can't discount that. Uh, what do I know? <laughs> You know? Oh, it makes it makes sense. I like it, and I totally remember the posters. Yeah, right. <laughs> in our classrooms when we were younger. So now that we're all familiar with the golden rule and the three forms that it comes in, um, what I actually found super interesting about this topic is not only how ancient this expression actually is, but how omnipresent this expression is within different cultures and different religions. So let's dive a little bit into the history of the golden rule because it turns out this rule is very, very, very old. How old? So it is, so Ooh. it is believed that the idea dates all the way back to Confucian times, which is 1551 or sorry, yeah, 1551 to 479 BCE, which is freaking old. Okay, Jesus plagiarized. Yeah, Jesus plagiarized. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people plagiarized this. If you're gonna go into that, <laughs> are we? <laughs> Uh, yes, we definitely are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's believed that it came from this era, but we will get into like the physical evidence of the, the golden rule in a little bit. But basically, the golden rule appears in almost every major religion in some form. I'm talking Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Taoism, and many, many, many more religions all have the golden rule somehow incorporated into their, into their central beliefs. So what I found very interesting about the golden rule was that the concept is present in so many different religions, but this belief in but the belief in God is not necessary to endorse the rule. So you don't actually need God to have the golden rule. You can have it, you know, be secular, but um, a lot of religions have it. So it's kind of both secular and non-secular. So I just found that very, very interesting. Kind of like you don't have to believe in God to be a good person. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the long and short of it is that, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it's just it. it's just very interesting that the golden rule appears in almost every ethical tradition that we that's just around the world. So it it's kind of like it's almost uh, an omnipresent concept, which I just. I'm going to say interesting a million times because I feel like I say that a lot, but <laughs> it's just interesting that it's that it's so omnipresent. Already, it's pretty cool that like <laughs> it really suits its name. Like, yeah, this is the golden rule. Like we can golden all, rule. Yeah, we can all agree that <laughs> this all... is like fundamental. <laughs> yeah, we can all get behind this. So the physical evidence, um, we start on a little we're going to go through a trip, a little trip through around the world. Uh, so our first stop is ancient Egypt, where the earliest possible reference to the golden rule was recorded. So this, it's called the Maximum of Reciprocity, um, appears in the story of the eloquent peasant, which dates all the way back to the Middle Kingdom in 2040 to 1650 BCE. 
So it was recorded that the goddess wow. Mat, or M-A apostrophe A-T, Ma'at, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, she's the goddess of truth, order, harmony, morality, and justice, said, now this is the command, do to, do to the doer to make him do, which is kind of do unto others as they would do unto you. It's, it's the golden rule. Just, just a lot more do's in there. Yeah, just a few more do's in there. <laughs> do to do do. Do to do. What are you going to do um, with and then the do do? The do do. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Baker. How does he come up all the time? <laughs> oh my God, Jim Baker. Anyway, <laughs> so um, also a papyrus scroll in the late period. So that's 1664 to 32. Sorry, 323 BCE um, contains an early negative form of the golden rule stating um, that which you hate to be done to you, do not do to another. So once again, super nuts how old this is that it's just it's present all the way back then that, you know, this this golden rule is so old. That's kind of Um, amazing, too. I was literally thinking about this the other day, like what makes us different than animals? You know, the classic question. And I was kind of like. mm -hmm. Well, I think that it has been shown that rats do have a form of empathy. Like there have been um, experiments oh. where um, it, like rats will save another rat that's in danger with or without yeah. any kind of prize. And they will wait to eat their treats like until the other rat has been rescued. Oh, So like... I really, Aww. I like rats. I think they get a bad rap. I love, I do love rats as well. But I, I um, was bringing this up to say like this, this idea of empathy um, or like the way that we recognize empathy is, is very interesting. And I don't know that it's really unique to humans, but it's also just so cool to see how far back in history it goes because it's like, I don't know. To me, that's like a written record of love. Like it's, it's like, this is how you love people and we should make it a rule like for harmony and peace. Like, like let's yeah. establish yeah. that this is what you should do. I think, I think that that's really remarkable. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very cool how ancient it is that, you know, this idea of reciprocity is, is like, I'm going to do to you what you, what I want you to do to me is, you know, it's just a, a, very nice concept to have so being so ancient i guess is the the long and short of it yeah it's it's just cool it's just really cool yeah yeah um, it is i'm so surprised because i would have just assumed that it was a, a christian thing and I yeah don't know no why. i guess because my schools they were classic like they they taught christianity um but i i love that it's not i know that sounds <laughs> in uh not not nice but i think it's fascinating <laughs> that yeah this whole idea because you hear a lot of things um i was chatting i was chatting to some workmates the other day about you see some things with different religions where you know it's like they're right you're wrong we yeah. won't see you in he- we won't see you in heaven because we're right and that feels so opposite to this rule like mm-hmm. it it shouldn't matter if you're right or wrong or whatever you believe in just like do you want someone to be a dickhead to you probably not let's <laughs> Let's all be friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's all be friends. Let's all do unto others as we want to do unto ourselves. Uh, it's great. I, I like it. I like it a lot, too, which is why <laughs> I, was, I was so enthused about having this topic. Um, so now we move to ancient India, where the, the Mahabharata, 
um, an ancient epic in an ancient epic of India, which is usually dated to the period of 400 BC to 400 CE. Um, there's a discourse between a sage and a king in which the discussion talks about the philosophy of understanding of values and actions that lend to good order, it's that lend to the good in life. So um, the discussion basically centers on one should never do something to others that one would regard as an injury to oneself. Um, mm. Anything else is succumbing to desire. That's that's the whole quote around it. Um, that's kind of the the whole golden rule in a nutshell. And um, this was also recorded in another text, the Turakura, um, in the Book of Virtue, uh, dated back to the 1st century BCE to the 5th century CE, where it said, do not do to others what you know has hurt yourself, or why does one hurt others knowing what it is to be hurt? So it's just like a... Um, it's very interesting, again, saying interesting, God. Uh, it's, very, <laughs> it's okay. It, it is interesting. It's interesting how how this is like a, a philosophy discussion. Hey, we're talking about philosophy. Hey, good pods. Good pods. Our tags are good now. We're talking about philosophy. So it's just very interesting that... Um, For context, we were randomly rated like number seven in philosophy. And <laughs> we were like, this is not philosophy. <laughs> and... Lindsay messaged the group and was like, I think it's because I say I think too many times. <laughs> <laughs> we think a lot, which it's, it's, I think it's fitting considering me and Lindsay, like, uh, doc, what, Lindsay, future doctor of philosophy. Oh, right. And then Drew is basically a philosopher with biology. So it works. <laughs> yeah, philosopher with biology. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what was very interesting about the text um, was that it basically said if someone is, is um, they say, cherished enmity or have done evil, um, according to the text, the proper way to deal with them, with these kinds of people, is to show them kindness in return and to forget about both the good and evil that was done on both sides. So it's basically kind of wipe the, the slate clean and, and just kind of forget all the evils and goods that's been done. So you're not looking for, um, you know... Not repercussions. That's not the word for it. Reparations. That's the word for it. You're not looking for reparations. You're just saying, all right, the board's clean. Like, let's just keep on moving. I'm going to show you kindness. Like, let's just keep going. Oh, so I just, I so found that. To do. Yeah, right? <laughs> I cherish enmity. That's really. <laughs> <laughs> cherish enmity. I love it. <laughs> Man, it's hard not, it's hard to let go of grudges. It's a, it's the person I want to be, but I think that's also kind of like baked into this mode of being is that you got to just let things go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, the, yeah, I think that's very true. It's kind of baked in at the, you know, underneath a little bit. It's kind of just, you got to let things go. You know, you got to, you got to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that but, is super hard. Yeah. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Anyway, anyway, now we move to ancient Greece, uh, where the negative or prohibitive form of the common uh, the, of this common principle um, was found in ancient Greek philosophy. Where examples include uh, avoid doing what you blame others for doing, uh, what you do not want to happen to you, do not do it yourself either. Um, so these are, <laughs> these are just a few examples. What? At, at, <laughs> this point, at this point, I feel like a high school teacher. 
reading an what? essay where all of my students have just like shittily re-explained the same topic in different words. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to fill the word count. But yeah, it's just like, how many ways are we going to say exactly the same thing? I mean, like, sorry, they're not shitty, but it's just like some of these feel really <laughs> convoluted compared to others. And it's just really funny yeah. the way that they're all saying the same thing, but they're all just like, how can I be as tortured about this as possible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, um, well, you're in for some, a few more of these. That's for yeah. sure. Oh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> We're only in ancient oh, Greece. I'm so excited. Yeah, ancient Greece. <laughs> yes. Um, but a few. We haven't even hit Christianity yet. There were, oh, there were, there were so many in this wiki article that was just like, just all the same thing. So I, trust me, I'm abbreviating this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the oldest of these reference, oldest of these um, date back to 1624 to 546 BCE. And once again, extremely old, extremely nuts. Um, and then we move now to ancient Persia um, with the Pahlavi texts, um, which date back to 300 BC to 1000 CE. Where the earliest source of the reference of the golden rules says that nature alone is good, which refrains from doing to anyone whatsoever is not good for itself. Is <laughs> See, now you're thinking about so what I said. Convoluted. <laughs> now, now I'm thinking about what you said, and it's hurting like, me. Like when you You've were done me psychic damage. Like when you were in high school and you had to respond to a question, but you had to rephrase the question in your answer. Like you couldn't just copy it verbatim. You had to like slightly yeah. <laughs> adjust it. <laughs> That's what this is. Or like by the time I'm at my fourth or fifth paragraph, I am sick of saying the same thing. So I'm like slightly <laughs> rewording it. Oh my god, that's so true. I love it. I you love have it. done me psychic damage. <laughs> well, it's psychic like, damage I, feel like I feel like every era of ancient, like whatever, has been like, oh, we can't really say what the Egyptians we said. Can't say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta spice it up a little bit. <laughs> it's like if you if you copy, like I think it's like every seventh word needs to be different unless it's plagiarism it's like let's just change like every seventh word (laughs) (laughs) do do unto others as you would prefer if everyone (laughs) saw the world to do unto you the way that no heretofore I mean, I personally feel free to ignore if you disagree, but I just think a little bit that everyone should mostly be good to each other. Thank you. Rate us, <laughs> rate us number one in philosophy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> number one in philosophy. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, so our final destination is ancient Rome. Um, where the Woo-hoo. expression the expression of the golden rule dated back to 4 BC to 65 CE. And what is interesting about this one is that it's regards to the treatment of slaves. Uh, and it says, treat your oh. inferior as you would wish your superior treat you. Oh. Um, which I feel like is like wow. the most direct and like boiled down version of it. But it's also, I, it's just so interesting that this is in reference to slaves. Um, and yeah. this... 
this but idea also, may not have been super commonplace, but at least the idea was out there. Was, you know, maybe we shouldn't have slaves if we're treating everyone like we would want to be treated. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get an argument from me here. <laughs> no, <laughs> we should have slaves. Like, <laughs> like it's very it's um it's funny that they're like, oh yes, yes, this is this is our golden rule, but also. You are my slave. Like, what? Well, was this like an like, anti-slavery... Read the room. <laughs> campaign? Was this I don't a, know was... if it was anti-slave. Was it anti-slavery or was it just treat your slaves well? Like, what's... Do you know the context? I think it was just treat your slaves well. Oh. I don't think it was... I don't think it was like a... a like, let's get rid of slavery. Right. I think it was, slavery is fine. Just don't treat them like shit. It's like, you're halfway there. Just finish the, you know. Just like, we're... <laughs> finish the sentence. Yeah. Like, uh... okay. But that's not my wallet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love your SpongeBob reference. I love it. <laughs> Good. Wow. That's, so, uh, that's really cool, though, that it's in so many. It's all over the globe. That's all over the globe. It's all over the globe. It's all over the ancient globe. And it's just ridiculous that it was so, so omnipresent. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, it's just like completely omnipresent. But also um, it has a lot of religious context. Um, it, it doesn't have to have religious context, but it, ha it, it tends to have a lot of religious context. So uh, let's start off with the Abrahamic religions, um, where the rule is present yep. within many of the sacred texts. Um, for example, in Judaism, the Torah statement has statements such as, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your kinsfolk, love your neighbor as yourself, mm. which, you know, is a very famous phrase. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so one. this, yeah, this Torah uh, verse represents one of the several versions of the golden rule, which appear in both positive and negative forms throughout the Torah, which I found very, very interesting. And mm. this, verse, this verse has been cited as the earliest written version of the golden rule in positive form, which I don't know. I feel like all the other versions of the, of the golden rule kind of outdate it, but that's just, it's been cited as that. Um, so now we move on to Christianity, where the golden rule was literally proclaimed by Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. So, I mean, it's kind of like a, a cornerstone of, of the religion, um, but was also present multiple times in the Old Testament such as do to no one what yourself dislike or recognize that your neighbor feels as you do and keep in mind your own dislikes, which is like I just keep on rephrasing the same thing. <laughs> Lindsay, what have you done to me? You can't see it either, right? <laughs> yeah, now I see it. And, and now, now I, I hate this. <laughs> you know, I know that every single high school teacher listening to this is rolling their eyes because they fucking know. It's like humans don't change. Unless, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of, of course, being a bit like, you know, casual about everything. But if, if I had to put money on it, I would almost assume that... Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I would put money on this, but I really truly wonder, or I wish somebody could tell me if they know, um, if all of these developed independently or if they actually were passed on um, as like a chain of ideas. Like, was this just simply common knowledge? Everybody hears this and they're like, oh yeah, no shit. It's called sympathy, mm -hmm. empathy, compassion. Or like, was this an idea that was kind of um, circulated amongst like learned people who could read? like? 
you know, because you hmm. were saying these are preserved in a lot of texts and that's how we know about them. So was it that yeah. this was carried on through different religions and different um, philosophies or was it just independently developed all over the world? Hmm. I, I think it's it, probably a bit of both. Yeah, I would say so too. And I also think it's very, impo like almost impossible to say where an idea came from because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to really trace back that. Um, but I feel like because it's so omnipresent, it might just be something of, of, you know, just sympathy. Right. It might just be it, it just a, a component of sympathy that, that people have. But, um, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of philosophers have been thinking about this way harder than we have. So <laughs> I think we're on the seventh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't think hard enough. Oh, I'm thinking so hard right now. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so there are multiple other references to the Golden Rule throughout the New Testament as well. Um, but I think we kind of get the idea of just how present and important the Golden Rule is to Christianity. Now, more interesting is Islam. Uh, which is very interesting because uh, before the advent of Islam, the golden rule was not known to be practiced in the Arabian Peninsula. See, this is um, what I'm instead saying. It was instead, it was survival of the tribe that was most essential, and this survival was to be ensured by the ancient rite of blood vengeance. Oh. Which, <laughs> blood vengeance is great. I love that, that term. <laughs> um, but the advent of Islam brought about the teachings of, like, none of you truly believes until he wishes his brother what he wishes for himself or, you know, seek for mankind that of which you, you are desirous for yourself that you may be a believer. So it became, you know, more entrenched in faith um, that like, if you want to be a believer, you have to also treat people better, oh. um, which I found very interesting. Um, yeah. In that, that, that shift of perspective that Islam brought and how the golden rule is very important in that shift. And I just, I just thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, um, it's, a, it's a big shift. It's very interesting, too. Like, I know it's not literally brother, but, like, you know, I have two younger brothers. And it's yeah. very interesting to think, like, treating people the way that mm. you would want people to treat your siblings. Um, that is, like, a very powerful feeling. Or, you know, there have definitely been times where... Um, like I used to take the, the Greyhound a lot, like between different like Greyhound buses between different cities. And there have been like a few times where it's like, you know, I'm going from college city to college city and there have been clearly lost and clueless little you know, college students who like don't know. And there have definitely been times where I'm like, yeah, oh my God, you're as clueless as my brother. Come here, you idiot. And, you know, like <laughs> made sure that they got somewhere safe. Yeah. <laughs> And it's been, you know, like very sweet friendships. I mean, it, it, funny enough, these are kids who I would see like more than once on these on these random Greyhound trips because I guess we're all just going between the same cities. But you know, it's kind of just a, a nice way um, to take care of the world around you is to you know somewhat superimpose your own family over these people and think like. You know, I hope a stranger would be really kind to my brother when he's inevitably lost in Central Station or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, babe, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I think that's a very valid point that, you know, how would you want to have 
not only yourself, but your siblings treated or, or people in your family treated. I think that's a very good point that, you know, that's a, a cause you know, you might, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. It's, it's, we'll get to it anyway. <laughs> what I was about to say. Um, so now we move to Indian religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, um, where, as I mentioned before, the golden rule is very present within both these religions and among many other religions within the region. Um, so once again, there's a bunch of different versions of, of do unto others as they would do unto you. Um, so I don't feel like reading them out because <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm conscious of it. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, oh, no. Fine, I'll read one. Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. There you go. There's your, there's your one. That's from Buddhism. <laughs> see, it's fascinating to see all the different iterations. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I think this would make, you know, how people have those, um, like, prints in their home. It's like, you know, home is family. Like, you know, the, the classic... Um, I forget where they're from. Is it like Marshalls? Like the classic word prints for, for frames and for pillows. I think this would make a great frame with like all of the same things said a bazillion different ways. That's fantastic. I, that should be our first merch. <laughs> really, really hammer The golden rule. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Just all different ways of saying the same thing. But in different fonts, uh, so it looks like different... Different fonts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wingdings, all of them. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so oh, now we last good. end up on the Chinese religions, such as Confucianism, uh, Taoism, and Moism, all of which uh, contain references to the Golden Rule. Um, once again, going to have a bunch of them. So uh, what you do not wish for yourself, do not do to others. Uh, regard your neighbor's gains as your gains and your neighbor's losses as your own loss, oh. um, which is, I, I like that one a lot, actually. Um, but it's, it's very interesting that the golden rule represents a fundamental ethics within these religions, that it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's an it's a ethical standing point for, for religion. That we can all agree on, and, it uh, seems. That we can all agree. Well, actually, <gasps> funny you say that, because in 1993, the Declaration Towards a Global Ethic from the Parliament of the World's Religions proclaimed the Golden Rule as a common principle for many religions, with over 143 religious leaders signing the Declaration. Ooh. So it was acknowledged as, as being, like, omnipresent wow. and also, you know, accepted by so many people. <laughs> Wait, I kind of... Okay, now my new perspective on this is just... <laughs> Some all-knowing being is like, one of these has got a stick. <laughs> Just keeps sending the message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't try to say it forwards, backwards, inside out. Just one of these. <laughs> one of these is going to get it right. <laughs> so I actually wanted to share um, an iteration of this that you didn't say that actually changed my life. Go for it. Okay. So um, I actually, ha Drew knows this, but I think maybe this is the first time I'm saying it, at least on the podcast, is um, I've had an eating disorder in, in my own past. Um, I don't remember if I told you that, Sarah, but oh, I, I, um, what... I identify. I also had one. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Woohoo. Yeah. ED club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
yeehaw for mental mental health Ye- issues. Yeehaw, we're fucked up. <laughs> so I was hospitalized with an eating disorder um, almost 10 years ago now. Um, it's fine. It was honestly one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And um, I'm very happy to talk about it, especially if anybody needs someone to talk to about it. I'm very happy to talk about it. But um, when I was in the hospital, they said to me, treat yourself the way that you treat other people. Mm. And I realized that that's maybe almost opposite of the golden rule, but it truly (laughs) fundamentally changed the way that I look at things because it was very true that a lot of the things that I would say to myself are things that I would absolutely never say to anybody else. I think we all have a very loud inner critic Mm -hmm. um, and we beat ourselves up. And I think that um, if I tried to hold anybody else to those standards or tried to beat people up in that kind of way, um, it would just be awful. I wouldn't have any friends and I wouldn't want to treat people that way. So, um, yeah, it, it changed the way that, um, I treat myself actually. So reflecting the golden rule also internally, I think, um, is also an equally important thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Cause that's also one of the things that my psychologist back in the day, like got me to do was write down all the different things that I think about thought about myself and then she's like okay would you say that to your best friend or to your partner and I'm like god no and it was the same (laughs) thing it's like well why are you treating yourself any different like if you Mm -hmm. wouldn't say it to someone else you don't say it to yourself and I'm like oh good point Hmm. ma'am yeah it's just a simple question would you be friends with yourself and it's like no. no, because I'm treating me like shit. And then yes. it's like, oh, well, that's how you start to turn that around is you start to just be a little bit nicer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to tack that wow. on as a uh, f- final iteration, I guess. M- contemporary iteration. <laughs> the best iteration. They also mentioned Wicca as well um, for the religions, which um, has the golden rule uh, like not tacked on it's not right uh like incorporated into it is what i meant to say Mm -hmm. um which i found very interesting as well uh there's the they mentioned a lot of religions and i was just like this is too many religions so (laughs) (laughs) how do you pick i picked and choose (laughs) i'm sorry to all the other religions (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, you're not getting into some of the heavens yeah well (laughs) i'm not getting into most (laughs) Me too. I've got a I've got a lifelong ban, I think. That's okay. I'm getting into all of them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> In a secular context. <laughs> um in a secular context, the, the golden rule is very important, um, as it is in a religious context. So as I mentioned before, the golden rule is present within essentially all religions, but not a single one of those versions of the golden rule requires a god. So that's kind of cool that you can, mm. as we said, to like you can be a good person without god. Yeah. Um, so it could be considered just like a humanist principle instead of a religious one. Um, and mm-hmm. it also exists in existentialism as well, which I just found very interesting. Um, and as, as we all know, I'm not really a philosopher, uh, regardless of what our tags say. So I will just say that yeah. the goal... <laughs> Data says otherwise. <laughs> Basically, ethically, I don't need a higher power to tell me not to treat others like shit because I know I would not like to be treated like shit. So, you know, the golden rule kind of works its way out uh, 
it's more feels like a central part of humankind than any religion in particular. So I, as I said, I just thought it was interesting that in a secular context, it just like, it's still applicable. Um, so that was just, that was just very cool. So I wanted to end off on criticisms of the golden rule. Uh, who, who the fuck? Who would be like, actually, I, (laughs) a lot of philosophers actually. Really? Uh, I'm just trying to be edgy. So well, <laughs> hear them out before you, before you start naysaying, you, you, you naysayer. You naysayer. You naysayer. Um, so they've contested, oh. so many philosophers have contested that the golden rule, um, have contested the golden rule on the grounds that one cannot know what other, how others want to be treated. That, that is Oh my God, point. get the fuck out. Oh, different it's opinions not. from me and Lindsay there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is why I'm going to heaven. <laughs> they do. Oh, stop rubbing it in. Bye, losers. Bye. <laughs> losers. <laughs> Sorry, you're gone. No. They, they do concede that you can, of course, ask them how they want to be treated, but if you've not reached an understanding, it may be difficult to do so. That's that's what they say. Oh, wait a minute, colonialism. Mm. Yeah, Lindsay. <laughs> wait a minute, no, but... <laughs> no, wait, that actually makes sense, though. Because, okay, like, if we bring up, like, the idea, like, the concept of, like, the noble savage or, like, whatever, you know, like, when, when like, colonialists would come into, like, a... um like a completely different environment, completely different culture. And they'd be like, oh man, we got to like completely air quotes, modernize. We got to help. Yeah. 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 Like they called it helping. They were not helping. Yeah. We can definitely agree that they weren't (laughs) helping, but I'm saying (laughs) maybe in this circumstance, they, if they thought they were helping, then I guess if you asked them, they probably were abiding by the golden rule. Yes, uh, that's that's what they're saying here is that if there are differences in values or interests between the two people, uh, their tastes may not be the same. I mean, tastes is not the best word for it, but no, but that's kind of what. But yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Um, and if you not sh- have shared values, then the way you want to be treated is not going to be the same way that they want to be treated. Um, and this has been brought up uh, with <laughs> with one of my favorite quotes. Uh, so. Some fanatics have no aversion to death. The golden rule might inspire them to kill others in suicide missions. <gasps> that was just Wait, like what? The most extreme oh. example. Was that, that a like, article? Oh, yes, you bet it was. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. I, f- I forget different. which philosopher said that, but <laughs> that's, it's that's true. what it was. The golden rule may or may not apply to suicide missions. May or missions. may not apply. To suicide missions. Yeah, wow. I thought this was very extreme, <laughs> uh, but I think the point still stands that if you don't know how someone wants to be treated, you should not assume that they want to be treated the exact same way you want to be treated. <sighs> so I just, I think that's a valid criticism. You guys, I was ignorant. <sighs> <laughs> moving, moving swiftly <laughs> upwards uh, to another criticism. Um, uh, it, Another example is differences in situations, uh, where the example given is 
Um, a prisoner who is convicted of a crime could appeal to the golden rule while asking the judge to release him, pointing out that the judge could not or would not want to be sent to prison, oh. him or herself, so he or she should not do that to others. Um, oh my so God. So I, <laughs> I think this is completely ridiculous. But it's like true. <laughs> but but it's, it's true. The golden rule does not stipulate any situations where it can be used. It's just, it's said, you know, do unto others as you would do unto yourself. And, and you know, that's, that's the, you know, there's no, there's no like subtext there. It's just purely that. So I, you know, there's, there's logic behind it, but it's also a little, little ridiculous to me. But, um, you know, I do agree with the, you know, I agree with the logic behind it. So I, I feel like the, the criticisms are valid. But I feel like it still stands that the golden rules is kind of a, a, a good thing at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the golden rule in a nutshell. Um, a little bit about the history and the context of the golden rule. So, I'm yeah, so shocked go. that you ended up there. What do you mean? Because you just like famously don't enjoy religion. And this is like not the first time you've talked about religion. Like I'm learning about you. I'm learning about you right now. Mm. I find religion fascinating. I don't like it, but I find it fascinating. Okay, so we're going to move on from the golden rule. You know, treat treat others like you would like to be treated. Um, and maybe the person at the center of this story did not treat others like he he should have treated them. Because um, he was oh, a, no. a bit of a con man. Ooh. So gossip, girl. <laughs> yeah, this is some not ancient gossip, some contemporary gossip. So we're going to explore the Piltdown Man. Um, so we're going to set the scene. So it's 1912. Cars were super rare sight around the town in England. You know, only the very, very rich had a car. World War One was about to begin. And also a fun fact I found was it uh, the Oreo cookie was invented. So that's, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad time to be alive. What a t- It's a time, though. It's, it's a time. A time. It sure is the time. And a man named Charles Dawson claimed to have found the missing link between apes and modern day humans. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> so Charles Dawson, my, 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 he was an amateur archaeologist. I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to diss anyone who's an amateur anything, but it's always a little sus when like an amateur like archaeologist or whatever it is makes a huge discovery i don't know like sometimes you're like yeah you go get it and then other times you're like sus no Um, (laughs) yeah but no yeah so charles dawson an amateur archaeologist who initially studied as a lawyer um but he had the nice luxury of just basically being being able to just follow his his dream and a lot of it came from his father's footsteps because his father used to really like collecting and studying different fossils. And so he could afford to just do that as much as he wanted, and he did. And he had the nickname, so he lived in Sussex, England. He had the nickname of the Wizard of Sussex because he had a (laughs) remarkable knack for finding rare and spectacular archaeological finds. All All of them in Sussex. Nowhere else, just Sussex. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this sounds a little suspect oh, oh that was a good one <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> it's good don't even start with me 
<laughs> Calm down, you two. Oh, save it. Save it for after the episode. Golden rule. Shut up. <laughs> okay, so uh, this guy, he likes to go digging around the town. He's, you know, apparently really good at finding rare and amazing things. You know, he's got some friends who are real archaeologists. And one day... He uh, is apparently digging in uh, a plistone gravel, so like an old gravel bed um, that are, you know, reportedly hundreds to thousands of years old. And he's just having a little dig dig and he finds the skull fragments and uh, like primitive tools of something he thinks is not quite human and not quite monkey. Um, So he's like, wow, this this is going to be groundbreaking. And he takes all of this and he uh, contacts the Natural History Museum and he got the head head of geology, Arthur Smith Woodward, to come and help him to to figure out what did he find. So he's convinced some some people pretty high up that this is the real deal. And so what he actually found, it wasn't like a full skull. It was just little fragments here and there. So like maybe um, a little bit off the top of the cranium or, you know, a bit of a jawbone. So it was bits and bobs, so not a full on. Um, perfectly preserved skull. So they had to gotcha. do a lot of modeling to try figure out, well, how big would have this skull have actually been given the jawbone, given these fragments? And Woodward uh, did a lot of that because he was an actual uh, geologist and archaeologist. So he worked to reconstruct the skull fragments. And his hypothesis uh, was that they belonged to a human ancestor from about 500,000 years ago. So Woodward found that the skull was very, very similar to a modern-day human. However, the uh, occiput, um, which I've got here, is like the base of the spinal column. So I guess if you can feel on the back of your head how it, when you feel from your neck into the back of your head, you've got that little, little bip. It's mm. like you can cup it a little bit, that, that bit of the bone. <laughs> Uh, was not similar to being a human's at all. And it appeared that this brain size from modeling, you know, what was the actual head of this skull um, it was about two thirds of a modern human. So a much smaller brain than, than modern day humans. At this point was, was the guy who found it claiming that this was something, you know, like missing link or was it the, guy from like the the actual institution being like oh i think this is something profound a little boat a little a little from column a a little from column b so the guy who found it dawson was like yeah i think this is something profound you know it's nothing like we've ever seen before with a normal human and he has convinced woodward that yeah in fact it is it is amazing okay so they're both making the claim at this point yeah yeah um, and so I've got here, the jaw was a bag of fun. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, okay. So the jaw. So it was almost indistinguishable from a modern chimpanzee jaw. However, there were human molar teeth attached to the jaw as well as what appeared to be orangutan teeth. So uh, cue the music. Hmm. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Um. <laughs> So it, it was very suspicious. And from the get-go, other researchers were like, what the fuck is going on here? And they had found different results when they tried to do like a modeling reconstruction. And, and they were like, no, it's very much like a modern human, but the jaw, the jaw is very different. Um, but then other researchers were like, oh, wow, they praised it. They really did think that this was like the link. It must have been this kind of, 
you know, evolutionary stage between apes and humans, and we've, we've found it. Um, so the, the findings were eventually published in Nature. So Woodward and Dawson had taken these findings to um, the Natural History Museum and I think the Royal Academy of Archaeology slash Geology and basically presented them, got the approval, the, the majority approval from the community um, and published these results in Nature, um, which for anyone who is not, um, maybe not a scientist or not too familiar, Nature is the biggest journal in the world where all of the most groundbreaking results go into. However, there is a very good um, track record of results that sound too good to be true being published and then being retracted later on. So a little womp womp, womp a little foreshadowing <laughs> in what's what might happen here. Um, uh oh. Yeah. So published in Nature, which is a huge deal, and it drew even more scrutiny because now it's all over the world that there's you know there's apparently this missing link. Um, and so yeah, people were like, well, you know, is it really? We've only found one. You know, it's a little bit sus. But don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Conveniently. Only a couple years later, in 1915, Dawson claimed to have found another skull, just like Ooh. the original. Oh, thank God. And yeah. probably in Sussex. Thank God. It was in Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a couple kilometers down the street. Of course. <laughs> Why didn't we think to look um, there? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So he found he finds this this skull fragment and more jawbones. Um and, but he would not disclose the location where he found it. He wouldn't even tell Woodward. Like he wouldn't tell anyone from the National Um History Museum, like telling nobody. So he's very secretive, which I mean, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Very fucking <laughs> suspicious. Um and what's interesting is to this day People still actually have no idea where the site was because he was so secretive about it. Nobody knows exactly where mm. where, he, where he got it from or where he supposedly found it. Yeah, so unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Dawson, the discoverer, actually died of septicemia before the new findings were announced to the world. Wait, well, wait, pause. Um, Does that mean, like, his cut got infected? Yeah, it can be like an infection from, you know, you either got an open wound or you had surgery and something went wrong or you had an injection that, you know, wasn't clean and things like that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so septus. So he, and it was an early death because he was only, I think he was only in his early 50s. Um, so it was super unexpected. I don't think he, he didn't plan on dying. Okay. And especially before <laughs> the, the second, um, the second skull could be revealed and awed by the world. So, so he ended up dying. And what, what is a shame about this is he takes a lot of secrets with him. So the second skull was taken uh, by a heap of people in the community as proof of the authenticity because they're like, wow, you know, we've got two specimens now. They both have similar jawbones, similar type shapes. You know, this has to be like a human ape species. Mm. So people were, people were buying it and they bought it for decades absolute decade so this was back in 19 in the 1910s it wasn't until 1953 uh that time magazine published evidence proving that the piltdown man was a forgery stop 
yet. <laughs> and, and, and it's amazing. Um, so they, uh, they demonstrated that the fossil was a composite of three distinct species. It consisted of a human skull from the medieval ages. Oh. Um, yeah. I, so okay. this guy. I totally. He went grave to... robbing. <gasps> oh my God. I totally expected him to have just like purchased a dead body like people did back in the day. No, he went grave robbing? Well, he obviously, he either went grave robbing or he purchased it dodgily. Dodgily. It was, it was a middle age body. <laughs> oh my God. Is, what are the chances that he did find a middle age specimen? I don't know. I mean, hmm. probably not crazy if he was digging around the place. He was probably finding all sorts of bits and bobs, I guess. Maybe he just found it on a dig and was like, this is it. This will be my specimen. <laughs> going to tape <laughs> that, it to this. That poor person. If, <laughs> if anyone makes a forgery out of my skull when I'm dead, I'm going to be very upset. I, on the other hand, would be thrilled because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to be anonymous. <laughs> I'm not living for much else. So, <laughs> Everybody note that down. <laughs> All right. So, yes, yeah, so we've got um, a medieval uh, age body. Um, we have a 500-year-old lower jawbone from an orangutan. Okay. Uh, and Ooh. and we've got chimpanzee uh, fossilized teeth in there. So we've got. So a what about the human molars? They, I guess, they were from the the human skull. They must have carbon dated to the same time. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, and so they found that someone had created the appearance of super aged bones by staining them with like an iron solution and chromic acid to try and make them look more weathered and more old than they are. The old using the tea on a piece of paper for treasure exactly. trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I have written down. It's just <gasps> like, yeah, soaking, soaking pages in tea to make them look a bit older. He oh. just did it. He took it to the next level with bones. <laughs> what a cheeky bastard. Oh, it gets cheekier. So Microsoft. Microscopic examination revealed that on the different teeth there were file marks and it was deduced that this was uh, done by someone to try modify the teeth to look like they were more suited to a human diet. So our teeth have, or our molars have very specific kind of shapes in them and are good for chewing meats and leafage or, you know, we're we're omnivores technically. Um. And so, so he somebody had knew their down. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to fool so many people for so long, he kind of did a, a good a good job. Um. So yeah. So they they're like, yeah, this is a forgery. Um. It gets worse though, <laughs> because researchers believe that uh, Mr. Dawson was just an avid forgery person like so when they inspected his own personal um and and quickie and and aquarium oh his own personal like old collection of fossils and oddities that he had found over the years they found 38 Mm -hmm. of them were distinct fakes or (gasps) heavily altered oh no yes and i would like I'm so interested to know if they were his or the ones that he inherited from his father. 
I know. I wonder if it's a little bit of both. Mm. I wonder if his dad. I don't know. There was nothing in the article to to to, to suggest that his dad had taught him his ways. Um, but I think it's kind of fascinating that there's so many. Wouldn't and that so, be such a like twisted history if the father got him into this? Like be, with for like but like <laughs> fostered his love for archaeology with forgeries, and the whole time he thinks they're real, and then he grows up and he's like, "I'll never find stuff as good as Dad did." So <gasps> then he starts forging them. This he is, fakes it. This is a movie. Oh, <laughs> that forging. is a movie. That is a book. Contact us for rights. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Wow. I wonder because there was no, there was not much mention of his father. Um, and I'm not sure whether his father had died quite early on in his life. But, yeah, I wonder. Because these were just from his own collection. It did, they didn't need to have been what he found. They could have been passed on from his father. Um, okay. So I thought I'd share some of the more notable fakes. Ooh, in his collection or, like, in general? In his collection. No, in his collection. <laughs> in his yeah. special in his Regalus. Special room. Regalus with his special room. <laughs> Okay, okay. So the first one is a reptile slash mammal hybrid. Um, so it was a bit of a reptile skull and a mammal skull kind of hodgepodgely glued together. And they'd also had their teeth filed down. Classic. Classic. Good old, good old teeth filing. Wow. Uh, the next one was alleged Roman bricks. Uh, spoiler, they were just normal bricks. Wait, Sarah? Were- yeah. I almost talked about Roman bricks today. Did you? Yes. <laughs> wow. I only read one paragraph. Cause were they they were made out of like special like a special combination of the cement that they used, weren't they? That that was a different article. That was Roman cement. <laughs> oh, Roman. okay. Where I think <laughs> that there was sense. some Roman I clearly did not read a lot because I didn't get stuck enough to make it my topic gang <laughs> i don't know how anyone, different it is okay for anyone who knows let us know why what are what is so special about roman bricks because apparently his were just normal bricks that he had altered to look like roman bricks so i oh guess maybe God. smaller smaller and distinct shapes well so what i was going to read was that roman brick layers actually used to emboss the bricks with like the name of the ruler at that point in time like there were like special wow. brick stamps like kind of like when you're walking on, along the sidewalk i don't know if it's like this also in australia but like in the u.s um there will sometimes be like every couple of sideway uh sorry every couple of sidewalk stones there'll be like a stamp of like the company that did it oh no we don't i've never seen that here Okay, we we have that in at least a few of the cities I've lived in. Not all of them, actually. Um, but the Romans used to do that too, and that's what I was reading about. So I wonder if he had like you know a, a like a fake imp- like yeah. stamped brick or something. Yeah, I wonder that might that might be why it was an alleged Roman brick if he like had put some emperor uh, emperor <laughs> stamp on the side of it. It's <laughs> amazing. I wish they had, they didn't have photos of these and I wish they did because it'd be fascinating. I might try to do like a very deep dig to see if I can find photos somewhere on the internet. Oh my, I would Um, go to a museum of hoaxes. Yeah. Something they did have a photo of though was something called uh, the toad in the hole, uh, which was a fossilized toad, which was completely entombed within a flint nodule. 
It was fake? <laughs> it was fake. Yeah, he had entombed the toad in the flint module and like glued <laughs> the nodule back freak. together. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ship in a bottle, rather. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ship in a jar. <laughs> the Walmart discount brand. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so, Drew, you are going to love this next part. So, they, oh, did, they did a full on forensic investigation to figure out Dawson's uh, modus operandi of creating his fakes, and especially the fakes which had hodgepodge of skulls and jaws and different teeth. So, they found that he would first apply the stain to try to age the appearance of the bone. He would then pack any of the crevices with local gravel. Um, to try and make it look like it had been there for a very long time. And then he would attach the teeth from other animals with a mixture of gravel and dentist putty. <gasps> hmm. And I wrote down, this reminds me so much of Lindsay's fucked up Barbie doll with squirrel teeth. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, I used hot glue because God knows <laughs> not to give me dental putty. <laughs> for the record um but isn't that amazing and so even cooler was they were able to do dna sequencing from the teeth of the two different skulls and they found that the the orangutan teeth that were across the two different skulls they belong to the same orangutan (gasps) so he just had one and he's like let's stretch this as much as it'll yeah yeah (laughs) the poor orangutan where, where does someone get orangutan teeth? Like, is that just something you can get? I don't know. Well, this was back in the day, so he must have had to have, like, I don't know, because orangutans are definitely not native to uh, Sussex. Sussex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so what became of Woodward? Like, maybe he had a hand in all of this. Oh, okay. So there's a whole, um, there's a whole segment of were there more conspirators or was it just Dawson? Ooh. And they are pretty, pretty so, uh, certain that it was just Dawson because even Woodward um, was not privy to some of the knowledge of, you know, where he found the bones. He was never there when the bones were found. Um, yeah, so they think that poor Woodward was just uh, bamboozled by this very charming person with a bag of lies. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And to to wrap it up, so thanks to this absolute shit show of a hobby by Dawson, the Piltdown Man actually significantly affected our early research on human evolution. <gasps> I was gonna say because you sure know what, I went and fact checked this. I yeah. were, uh, at the time of recording. You know, it's February twenty twenty two. This is like the fifth or sixth episode. I've just told the date for no reason, but. <laughs> This yep. is not my thing. Thanks for dating us. True. Yep. <laughs> I'm just, just going to start off every episode. Today's date is. <laughs> Today's date is. Bing bong. <laughs> but um, what, I was, what I was going to say is that right now the current president is Biden. And people talk about how okay. old Biden is. Biden was born in 1942. So I just want to say that there are politicians in government who, like, when they learned science in elementary and middle school, still believed that this specimen was real and the science of this specimen was real. It's crazy, hey? 
Yeah, like these people make our laws and this is the education that they were receiving. <laughs> Hopefully they've done an up-to-date biology course. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I, I thought I'd tell you exactly how it, it fucked up the research. So um, remember how I mentioned that it looked like they had a very small uh, brain. They had very small brain cavity, so mm-hmm. they must mm. have a small brain. But they had mm-hmm. um, a jaw that it looked like the, like the jaw was also um, a bit funny looking. So the research was uh, being focused around this time from this discovery of trying to understand how the human brain expanded the size. So it's much bigger than a chim- chimpanzee brain, um, but smaller than a modern human brain, but the jaw was that of a chimpanzee. So how did the brain get bigger before the jaw had even adapted to new and different types of food? Um, oh, shit like red meat yeah and so uh even real other human specimens so for for anyone who's um maybe not not so up with uh all of the different types of humans so me humans yeah we are i'm not like this is news to me (laughs) i'll I'll put it i'll put a nice chart on on um their instagram so we have an insane amount of different human species so we are just one species homo sapiens um and you've probably heard of like homo erectus you've probably heard of neanderthals but there's many different types of other humans that belong in our species that were all um they died out over the last um you know hundreds of thousands of years with different species becoming more dominant and so they had found in the early 20s, they'd found in Africa two um, really important early human species. Uh, but because they didn't fit with the theories uh, that was thought to be the evolutionary path of humans having a bigger brain before a different jaw, they kind of just put them to the side and oh, then shit. didn't re- they didn't return back to investigating them for decades later. And they really were not the missing link because there is no one missing link evolution isn't just um hops you know from one species to another it's very complicated Mm -hmm. and diverse but they had just yeah kind of put that on the back burner and over 250 peer-reviewed papers have been written about this one particular find over the years god wow so we discredited the right stuff yeah and then just for a little bit wrong stuff god yeah it's crazy, and it's crazy that Dawson died before he could even see the the chaos he caused. Do you think he? I want to believe that he would have stopped it at some point. Like, whoa, 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 whoa guys, guys, don't! It's not that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I don't know. He got it published in Nature. I think. I think he was fully on board with it going as far as it could go. I think so. Damn, the slimy bastard. Yeah, so treat that, others that the, the, pil- the Piltdown man. He did not treat others wow. the way that he would probably want to be treated. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, Sarah. That is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was reading it because I'd, I'd vaguely heard, heard of the Piltdown man when doing um, like different biology subjects because I had a biology minor when I was in undergrad. And I remember knowing that it was a big fuck up of, of um, like the wrong idea of what evolution was. And it's still used, which is, this is very sad. It's still used to this day. Some conspiracy theorists think that 
the disproving of it was all a hoax and that humans were direct ancestors of apes and you know it, it's just used for bad science um and yeah i just thought it i thought it was fascinating and also just you know a little disappointing that good science was was avoided for a little bit by accident yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it is staggering to think that this existed until the 50s. Yeah. Though, speaking of the 50s, this is a bit of a side tangent. I was listening to a whole podcast about how um, tobacco companies just completely lied about the damage that was being done from smoking cigarettes beginning mm. in the, the 40s and the 50s. And fuck me, it was a wild time back then. Just, I mean, it's a wild time now, but if you had enough money, you could get away with anything, which yeah, I feel still stands true today. <laughs> kind of, yeah. it's kind of true today. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys ready to learn about Cloaca Maxima? Yes. Oh, you bet. <laughs> what do you think? I'm not even. What do you think it is? <laughs> it sounds naughty, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Is it? Maybe. <laughs> Drew? <laughs> I, um, so I know what a cloaca is. What's a cloaca? And isn't that the thing, the reproductive system on the birds? Maybe. Yeah, I thought, I and thought then so too. Maxima, Maxima is, is making me think like big old reproductive system. <laughs> just, so I was like... I was, just a really big... I was thinking like an ostrich reproductive system, and I was like, that's a maxima cloaca right there. That would be. That's what that is. Big cloaca. That'd be a big fucking cloaca. Wow. Wow. That's my thinking. These are basically all the same place as my mind went. Let me tell you, (laughs) I was hooting and hollering when I picked up this. Because <laughs> I saw, I saw the word, and I was like, "Oh!" And then I saw that oh. it was a hyperlink, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I clicked on it, and holy shit, what is it? It is one of the world's oldest sewage systems. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean oh this is pee pee poo poo time okay okay i'm i'm here for it i am very excited oh i thought it was gonna be an ostrich cloaca we're not gonna talk about ostrich incest and wherever else you want to take this conversation we're gonna talk about histories of toilets again <laughs> you guys are so disappointed oh, okay. No, I'm not no. disappointed. A little bit. Actually, yeah, a little bit. We're, we're going to bring this back up. Let's start on one of the most positive aspects of this conversation, which is that you now, in a work and professional setting, get to say mm-hmm. the words cloaca maxima, and you are talking about ancient old Roman history. So shit on everybody else who thought that they their minds were in a dirty place. You're talking about ancient history, and that's laudable and professional i I love ancient (laughs) history i would be so happy to talk about this in the workplace yeah and then you can stare at people like what the fuck did you think i was going to talk about and then they're going to be like ostrich penis and you're going to be like no (laughs) fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) so the cloaca maxima like i just said is one of the world's 
earliest sewage systems. And here is one of the coolest parts about it. it like I said, this is in Rome. This is in ancient Rome. It is guarded and presided over by the goddess Cloacina. Oh. <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the reason that things are named this way, and we will actually get back to reproductive organs, but the reason that things are named this way is that cloaca in Latin, I suppose, actually means sewer train, and cluo, oh. the Latin verb, means to cleanse. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, that so that makes things, a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's why it's <laughs> kind of the um, dirtier parts, I guess, of a biology. But it also does directly refer in a related way to a sewer system. It's not just a random name. Okay. And Maxima, of course, is just like stereotypical ancient Rome, Latin, like really big, big thing. Big thing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... When was the Cloaca Maxima built? It was constructed around 600 BC. So this is a really, really old system by the order wow. of the emperor at the time. Um, Tarquinus Priscus, I believe, is how to say it. Um, so were you about to say something, Sarah? I was just saying, wow. Like, that yeah, is a very old. long time ago. What's also very impressive about this is that it was very well maintained. So there's archaeological evidence that periodically people would go through and um, inspect like all of the parts of it and repair it. <laughs> and um, there's yeah. like written records of at least in like 33 BC. Um, actually, it seems like this. There were a few times the wiki article mentioned people who went and checked on it and were like, mm, that's not right. Let's fix it. And I think both times the wiki article talks about it, it is a general. So I think it fell under the jurisdiction or the responsibilities of the military, actually. Or hmm. I don't know if it was necessarily the military or just back then generals had a lot more responsibility or a lot more of like public responsibility. Mm. If people know, like if people are experts on Roman history, particularly this aspect, that would be really cool to know. Um, yes, please, please. Yeah, drop all. all your knowledge. Knowledge um, bombers. <laughs> so I said those dates pretty quickly, but what I was getting at was built in 600 BC. And then um, I think around 33 BC, we have at least one written record of things getting repaired. Um, so that's at, you know somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 years that people are using these. But present day... So 2,500 years later, it is still in use to drain rainwater and debris. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It is actually connected to the modern sewer system in Rome. Wow. So it's still used like 2,400 yeah. years later. Holy shit. It's older than Christianity. This is my new deity. This is my god. <laughs> Cloaca Maxima or Cloakina? Because you do have options at this point. <laughs> oh, I want to hear more about Cloakina. I oh, really I can heard... dive right into that. Yeah. What was she yeah. the god of? So she she was the goddess of the sewer system, believe it or not. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I love back in the ye old days when there was literally a god for everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I love, I love that. That um, is not just a yield concept. So actually, um, in more contemporary times, particularly in like Hinduism, there have been gods that have come about you know, so Hinduism is a little difficult to talk about because it's not like a centralized religion. There are many different takes on Hinduism. Yeah. But um, in sort of like the 80s and 90s, when um, AIDS was there was like, you know, a very powerful AIDS mm-hmm. crisis happening, there sprung up a god of AIDS. Wow. So hmm. it does actually like happen. Hmm? Evolving gods to deal with our evolving lives. Le- yes. Very well put. Yeah, exactly that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of like that, Cloakina, uh, exists or I guess existed. I don't know if people still worship Cloakina. That'd be kind of cool to know too. Um, <laughs> we may just revive that movement. All the <laughs> <rest> together. <laughs> but, um, when I was looking into who she is, she is actually wrapped up in one of the foundation myths of ancient Rome. And the idea is that there was an area, um, Sabines or Sabines, probably Sabines. Everyone's going to make fun of me for not knowing how to say this, but it's an area that's very, very close to Rome. And anyway, so they used to not get along, the Sabines in Rome. And the king of Sabines, and I'm so sorry if people are cringing at my pronunciation, and uh, (laughs) the founder of Rome, so Romulus, I guess, get together and they say, you know what? Now people from our two regions can get married. Let's let's have peace about it. And so they mark their peace by cleansing themselves in the area using myrtle, which it becomes important. Oh yeah. Okay. Wait, you know something about myrtle? Well, I don't know that much about myrtle, but one of my nan's best friends is named Myrtle, <laughs> and she always talked about that she was named after a plant. And I love myrtle, so that Aww. that was my oh myrtle. <laughs> well, okay. That's a, quite so, the tangent. <laughs> no. Actually, though, you can come back to her with this knowledge. So, well, she's um, she's dead. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Rip oh, no, she, she was she was very very old. She had a good life. Okay. Oh no. Uh, I'll tell Nen though. Nen will get a kick out of it. Okay, good. good. <laughs> so Myrtle, the plant. Um, was used kind of in this ceremony, this cleansing ceremony. And um, this took place um, near a small stream that, again, this is like the origin myth uh, of Rome or part of one of the foundation myths. Um, This cleansing sort of ceremony took place at the top of a stream that would later be the main outlet of the Cloaca Maxima. So this whole event took place where they're like, yeah, let's get along. Let's have peace. Our people can marry. And they cleanse themselves with Myrtle. And Myrtle is a symbol of the goddess Venus. And it represents union and peace. And we're also at this point like, yeah, now our people can like intermarry and everything. So Cloakina, the goddess, is also the purification of sex within marriage. Oh. Cool. Yeah, which makes me think a whole lot of implications in there because it's like, oh, is sex like bad if you're not married? I didn't know like the Romans kind of felt that way. Not sure if that's what that implies, but it's at least to say like, oh, if you have sex while you're married, that's now like a purified, sanctified sort of thing. And Cloakina 
as a consort of Venus, or I guess as a friend of Venus, um, yeah. is associated with that and does that sort of cleansing. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So she's not just the goddess of the sewer. <laughs> she's also the <laughs> goddess of your <laughs> marital sex, I guess. <laughs> but like I was saying, this this um, area, this in the origin story once was a small stream, um, is the the place that it was kind of foreshadowing is the Tiber River, which I think like is you know um, at least a recognizable landmark Mm -hmm. um when it comes to Mm -hmm. especially ancient rome so the uh sewage of the city drained into the tiber river and like i said it's still connected to modern um infrastructure so it still is connected to the the tiber river um but what it was used for in the city at first is that it drained apparently there were marshes nearby so they used it to drain the marshes they used it to drain sewage and the sewage i could not help myself would come from (laughs) Toilets. <laughs> yeah. Yay. It would come from public. It would come from public toilets, bathhouses, and public buildings, which taught me a little bit about like what kind of um, sort of plumbing. So, like you've heard, of course, about the Roman aqueducts. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you've heard of the aqueducts bringing water to the city. That was like one of the most amazing feats of ancient Rome. So they had sort of plumbing to the city, but this brought water out of the city. So that water gets used. And the purest water was, of course, potable drinking water and things like that. And then the, I guess, second order, not as clean water was used for um, kind of like the same way that you prioritize water in like an RV or a motorhome. You've got the water that you're allowed to drink, and you've got the water that you're allowed to flush in the toilet. <laughs> Pretty much that's how it was. So um, this is what I was getting at before was that I didn't realize that like public buildings, for example, probably had plumbing in them or I guess toilets. Like I, <clears throat> I just still don't know, regrettably, I don't know a whole lot about ancient toilets. So I didn't know if there were some in public buildings, but it seems to imply that there is. But private homes, even rich homes, the article says, used cesspits which are basically just pits of baby poo poo so it's not <laughs> it's not as though all private homes were connected to this sewer system it was a little mm-hmm. bit more towards the main infrastructure of ancient rome that that makes sense much easier to handle mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> as you can imagine i have very little else to say other than <laughs> well Maybe you don't see this coming. I saw this coming. Who ended up in the rivers and sewers? Well, <laughs> I grew up. I did not see that coming. <laughs> well, it was kind of like, I'm not about to talk about like, oh, general did this, emperor did this. Like, this is Lindsay time. Um, Lindsay <laughs> grew up next to the Hudson River. Grew up, you know, <laughs> monsters and crime. And, oh, you know, yeah. And, that's where we're going with this. Sarah hey, loves gobble ghoul. Yeah. <laughs> gobble ghoul. Gobble ghoul. And Drew also grew up next to the Hudson. So I we've, did. we've got damaged blood because I don't know that the Hudson's particularly safe. <laughs> so not. I have been to the Hudson. It smells very bad. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Hudson. Anyway, sorry, Hudson stands, but it smells bad. 
<laughs> some places. Anyway, I hear river. I hear dirty water. I think crime. That's where we're going. Crimes. Oh, fuck yeah. So I'm going to focus on two people who ended up in this river. Well, not river. I guess I'm talking about the Tiber River, but I'm also, it's, I guess it's a gray area. I'm also talking about the sewage system. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, people unceremoniously not buried and instead ended <laughs> up in the system. That's where I'm going with this. Wow. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so there are two people I want to talk about. The first one, I'm going to keep in line with Drew's earlier theme. The first one is a religious figure who ended up in the Cloaca Maxima. Oh, yes. His name is St. Sebastian. Hmm. Have either of you ever... I've never heard of him. Okay. No. No. Drew, have you heard of St. Sebastian? Uh, name's ringing a bell, but I have no idea why. Okay. So St. Sebastian was around between the years 256 to 288. He died um, around age 32. So like any saint, he's probably most famous for the way he died. <laughs> because that's what all the saints <laughs> are. They are martyred in they some They all have way. epic deaths, don't they? Yeah, exactly. They, they... Did he... Did he drown in pee-pee-poo-poo? No. No, man. I need to figure out if there's a saint for that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Add that to my pantheon, I guess. No. Wow. Um, Wow. (laughs) Wow. So so what happened was Sebastian in the 200s was like, I'm Christian in a time and place that I'm not allowed to be Christian. And this is still like in Rome. And Mm -hmm. uh, he is found out and he is tied to a stake and then a ton of archers shoot a ton of arrows at him and he is oh, no. just like covered in arrows and the arrows do not kill him and so a woman okay legend okay <laughs> so a woman comes out to like dispose of the body and she's like oh fuck this guy's still alive so she brings him home and nurses him back to health uh, <laughs> and he's what does he do when he's brought back to health he goes right up to the emperor and he's like you fucked up that was so bad of you i can't believe you killed me and the emperor is like this guy's still alive like, what? <laughs> so, dude, read the room. <laughs> no one wants you here. Like, what the fuck? So, anyway, so yeah, the emperor at first is, according to the wiki article, he is like astounded by his freedom of speech and a person who he presumed to have been dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> these are both equally terrifying to, <laughs> to the emperor. So, the emperor instead, um, has or, uh, orders that he be cludged, cu- oh my god, like cudgeled, cudgeled? to death? Cudgeled, Bludge- yeah, that's the one. I was combining all of those words, yeah. Um, <laughs> beat, beat to death, essentially. He's beat to death. This time it works. And he's thrown in the sewer. And um, <laughs> there, according to legend, a pious lady named Lucina, um, admonished by the martyr in a vision... So I guess the martyr came to her in a vision, St. Sebastian, and she fishes him out of the Cloaca Maxima and gives him a proper burial. And uh, the place that he was actually privately buried is now where the Basilica of St. Sebastian stands. So there is now a building commemorating that place in Rome. 
Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. But what was also very interesting is that he is a gay icon. So. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so he is an LGBT uh associated saint and not because of any kind of like oh he was gay during his life but because people in the like lgbt community really related to his story of being basically like closeted and then like hated on for coming out yeah but then also this is not my interpretation this is the wiki article was saying that the symbolism of him being penetrated so many times by the arrows was very gay (laughs) (laughs) i feel like a 14 year old added that to the article for some shits and giggles um i don't think so but speaking of 14 year olds i'm gonna talk about the other person on my list okay 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 so Oh, God, how am I going to pronounce this name? Elagabalus. Elagabalus. Okay. Okay. Elagabalus. Right out of the gate, when you look at his wiki article, there is like a a bust. So he was a uh, Roman emperor. And the, the picture of him is the most awkward teenage first mustache you've ever seen it is a very i feel so bad that that's in stone like so he he became a roman emperor at age 14 so you were right on the money sarah wow so he ruled for only four years so uh he ruled from ages 14 to 18. And when he was 14, he came into power because of a revolt led by his grandmother. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, get it, get it, grandma. Like, get it, girl. Get it, grandma. <laughs> she's leading revolts. Like, she's probably in her 30s. God knows. I don't know. What's a grandmother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so Elagabalus came from a prominent Arab family from Syria, where he was actually form. This kid has quite the resume. Fourteen years old, he comes to be the emperor of Rome. But before that, he was the head priest of the sun god Elagabal. Oh, shit! Wow! I did nothing before I was fourteen. I, yeah. I mean, I already like not a head priest. But the, the head, priest. head priest. Wow. Wow. So I don't know what. Okay. It, yeah. It, anyway, Ellie Gable. Good for him. <laughs> Ellie Gable, the god, um, I had never heard of before, so I did have to like do a little investigating. This is the Arab Roman sun god. Hmm. So. Okay. The sun god pop quiz, if you remember, who's the sun god for the Romans? It's not Zeus, because that's Greek. So what's like the equivalent of Zeus? Uh, Jupiter. Ju- Jupiter. Jupiter. Yeah. Wow, we got it. Really? Wow. <laughs> wow. No, no, no help there. <laughs> I totally forgot that Jupiter was a Roman god. They all are. I always, I... <laughs> all the planets are. No, all the planets are Greek gods, aren't they? No. Oh, they're Roman, and Uranus is the only Greek 
Oh, is that so? I didn't know that. Yeah, because Uranus was originally named, or Uranus for the the giggles, um, was originally named George. What? After King George. (laughs) And then everyone was like, that does not fit. That is stupid. So within a couple of years, they changed it to, I think it's, I think it's a Greek god. I would literally name it after your anus, then have it be named George. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, poor King George, so offensive. Oh my God, that sucks. I think it was mad, I think it was mad King George too. Throw back to another episode we talked about. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's that is a, an amazing <laughs> tidbit of knowledge. I did not know that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Ella Gable is the sun god according to the Arab Roman sort of pantheon. But like mm-hmm. I was yeah. kind of hinting at, the Roman <laughs> sun god is Jupiter. So there's a little bit of a conflict of interest. This guy's coming in with a huge bias. He's literally head priest. So he comes in (laughs) and he's like, oh, all this Jupiter shit got to go. You're going to all worship Ella Gable now because that's my favorite. Oh, that's a little controversial. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing people did not take it well. They, They did not. Um, pretty much did not. Okay. Anytime I think you force people to worship something does not go over well. But t- to get worse, it's a good rule of thumb. To make things worse, he married four women, and one of them was meant to be a vestal or is a vestal virgin, which I did not know what that means. But the goddess of the hearth, um, Vestia like had a um i guess temple sort of a thing where she or like people who worshipped were like all virgins i think kind of like in in the christian sort of sense you have like nuns in a nunnery sort of like you know the priestesses of um vesta were um were virgins i guess that Mm -hmm. i didn't really look too far into it i was just like okay got it so anyway one of these becomes his wife and people are like that's controversial She's supposed to be a virgin. And he lavished favors on male quarters who were thought to have been his lovers. So he's sleeping around with everyone. This kid is a teenager who's got the world in his hand. And he's like, I'm sleeping with you. I'm sleeping with you. And I'm going to make all of you worship whoever I want. So there was some note that he was reported to have prostituted himself. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I don't know if that means he like had people pay him to sleep with him, but like, okay, go off. Like you get it. You get it. Boy. I mean bragging rights, being in I slept with the emperor, like, come on. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good way to crowdfund. <laughs> so yeah so he's he is making a lot of enemies in a lot of spheres um you know religious and then i guess like some kind of socio-political sphere of just kind of sleeping around a lot um upsetting a lot of people um so he is unfortunately assassinated four years into his rule so he's 18 when he's assassinated by his grandmother oh the one who started the the revolution yes she also led the plot to his assassination 
Wow, she was a bad bitch. She was, and she did it so that she could put another one of her relatives in power. <gasps> wow, this would make a great TV show. Yeah, she was holding all the strings, pulling all the strings behind the scenes. Like, she, I agree. Like, this is, I want to hear more about this family drama. <laughs> Me too. I want, I want Judy Dench to play her. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't want to, um, I didn't really want to cast judgment on whether or not this individual deserved the fate that he got, but I did find it mm-hmm. interesting that throughout the years, other people did. And I just kind of want to... <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> it, of course. It's just, it's proof positive. No matter how you live your life, someone's going to have something to say about it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. In the 1700s, people looked back on Ella Gabelis and said... He abandoned himself to the grossest pleasures with ungoverned fury. <laughs> ungoverned <laughs> fury. He was, that basically, he had a lot of sex. In the 1800s, they said his name is branded in history above all others because of his unspeakably disgusting life. <laughs> Dramatic. Today... It has been written about him that he was an innovative and tragic enigma, sorry, tragic enigma lost behind centuries of prejudice. That seems more fitting. It seems like people have become more sympathetic towards him um, the more and more centuries we we put behind whatever he was up to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But regardless, uh, yeah, he was assassinated and um, ended up in the Cloaca Maxima. And and did he just stay there? Did anyone fish him out? I, it didn't say. Wow, the poor kid. I feel bad because apparently he was like the, the, I don't know if people, like again, this would make a really great TV show. I don't know if they knew that this was going to happen, but like the quote that I was reading was basically like, if he had just stayed in this trunk, he wouldn't have been caught. So I don't know if they were trying yeah. to, like... Help hide him or something. Yeah, like, sneak him out. Like, literally on his wiki, it's, like, if you go over to his name, it says, Burial. Corpse thrown into the Tiber. So I don't oh. I don't think anyone fished him out. <laughs> oh, wow. They might have just, like, saluted and waved him on and down he went. And that, was, and that was just that. Yeah, he was very was quickly replaced. And I think that he was very unliked by the... Uh, the people that he ruled but um that i i guess in some is the cloaca maxima now you know everything about it from from when it was born to present day wow yeah i love it <laughs> i thought that was so unexpected to what i thought it was gonna be <laughs> yeah, <same. laughs> me too and i so thank you it saved it's it saved itself because when I started to read that it's not what I thought it was, I was like, oh, and then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, I think that's great. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, it was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> you guys are sick. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. We accept that. I feel like every week I need to like profusely thank everybody for listening because I, <laughs> they, you know, they say don't make a podcast about things that you wouldn't want to listen to. 
but I also think that maybe not everybody wants to hear about pee pee poop history. So <laughs> I, I really don't have a sense of of, of myself. <laughs> but I love listening to what you guys brought. Thank you so 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 much for your awesome awesome topics and teaching me something this week. And thank you to our listeners who came in and answered the question of the week. That added so much more like excitement and. <laughs> high strangeness um especially because now i want to mm-hmm. buy that uh robe yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to hang out with us if you want to see bonus material if you want to just say hi please follow us on go ask alice pod on twitter and go ask alice podcast on instagram <laughs> thank you so 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 much for listening you guys thank you for hanging out and we love steve and robin and cam from twitter and and everyone everyone we love, everyone. We love all our listeners <laughs> bye bye on that note bye <laughs>